The Word in the World. You're listening to The Word in the World podcast, a resource to help make the world around you make sense. Let's zone in and share with each other our knowledge, encouragement, wisdom, and understanding. This is The Word in the World. Welcome back to the Word and World podcast, where we bring you topics, talk, and truth. Everything from the news to the New Testament. Welcome back. What's good? A lot to talk about these days. Yeah, a lot to talk about. So, for the past few weeks now, I've been in a prayer series uh, where we're just pointing out just different things about prayer. But we're kind of taking a break from that just mm-hmm. because there's just so much happening (laughs) and uh one of the things that we are seeing being discussed quite a bit right now is this topic of abortion so Mm -hmm. we had talked about doing this episode a while back we didn't know when the right time would be but we feel like now is a good time because everybody's talking about it right and so it's scary to -hmm. talk about i'll just be honest but the reason we really had a desire to discuss it is because we're seeing believers take a position on it Mm -hmm. that is not in agreement with God's word. Yeah. And that's what we want to talk about on this particular episode. Yeah. Or even like uh, believers who are confused maybe about it. Yeah. Because you really just may not know. Another reason this is hard to talk about is because we are two men. Mm -hmm. This is like, supposedly like not our territory like mm-hmm. we shouldn't really have an opinion or you know like that's what people would say right? yeah. it's like you're men you're guys you don't you shouldn't feel as though you can weigh in on a woman's topic mm-hmm. right but i guess one thing we wanted to clarify is that we're not going to be on this show given our opinion yeah. this is not marcus and jason just kind of giving their take on the abortion topic yeah. we're talking strictly from a biblical standpoint yeah the entire time we're talking yeah we're speaking under the authority of scripture and that is our starting point and end point for everything that we're saying even if we're not quoting scripture when we're talking we're saying things that are inspired by scripture right so you have to decide first of all whether you believe scripture mm-hmm. or you can decide that what we're saying ain't in the scripture and you can go looking there yourself and see what you what you find. I think another part to that, I guess, perspective is, you know, why are men talking about issues that have to do with women's bodies? And, mm-hmm. you know, you guys don't have authority to talk about that. I think logically, because this is a moral issue, this is a human issue. There, There is no human being that shouldn't be able to talk about certain issues that fall into moral ground. Right. So if women were in a room talking about, I don't know, incest or rape, and saying that, hey, it's not good to rape as a man, I have no reason for this, for to look at them and say, well, they can't talk about this because they're women. No, they're talking about a moral issue, so. Right, so then there's a question of why are we talking only to believers? Mm-hmm. The reason for that is the believer and the unbeliever are coming from two totally different moral codes. Mm-hmm. They're two totally different sets of standards here, mm-hmm. right? And so we are only able to talk about what it is that the bible presents as our moral code because anybody can believe anything Mm. when it comes to morality right but if we are to make the statement that we are believers and there's a certain moral code that comes Mm. along with that 
And like Jason already said, like we kind of have to decide whether or not we are in agreement with the biblical moral code. Yeah. In our role in this podcast form or whatever, like we are, we're all in our spiritual position in the body of Christ. We're all being called to equip one another. Mm-hmm. I forget which scripture it is, but he's talking about, you know, how he gave some for prophets, some for apostles, pastors, teachers, and it's for the equipping of the saints. So, oh, the education of the body. The message is important for that reason. It's f- for people to be better equipped in comprehending issues like this. So we we gotta help each other understand. Yeah, basically, basically. we gotta help each other understand. We gotta give sound doctrine for why we have the stances that we take. It's not enough to just say, well, you know, the Bible says it. Mm. You know, even for brothers and sisters, it's not enough. That's not enough to just rest in that. Yes, it's true. The Bible says it, but we have to be able to point people to scripture and, and give sound reasoning as to what we're talking about when we say abortion is wrong. Yeah. But, you know, for unbeliever, you know, I mean, the word says that these things are spiritually discerned and that, you know, the things of God are f- foolish to the natural man. We're not trying to, like, prove to somebody that abortion is wrong. Yeah. Like, we're not trying to convince yeah. anybody that's wrong. We're just showing you what the Bible says mm-hmm. about it. That's all. <laughs> And that goes back to the whole morality thing, because wrong and right is going to be determined by your set of beliefs. Mm. But there is absolute Uh right and wrong that come from God. When you say there's absolute right and wrong, what do you mean? Like you said, that comes from God? Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, like, mm, you can take the commandments. Mm. You know, these are are divine, these are divine morals, divine law. Mm. And the moral, like the moral law in the Torah whatever old testament is god's moral law Mm. for all people it doesn't matter in the ceremonial law and stuff like that was for israel it wasn't the other ites and canaanites and these ites they weren't subject to it but Mm. the moral law and you know his like divine law don't murder don't steal like these things are right because God said they're right and wrong because God said they're wrong stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So when you when when we say like oh what's right for me is what's right for me what's right you know like yeah that eh, we got to talk about those kind of things but that's not this episode. Yeah. So one of the ideas that we had for this episode was to take a look at the different arguments that are presented from I guess like the pro-choice perspective and kind of look at. Well, not kind of, but look at why a believer cannot necessarily be in agreement with these arguments. And so one of the arguments that we saw, especially in like recent weeks that became kind of like prevalent, I guess it's prevalent, the word like popular anyway, was this whole it's my body, you know, my choice. Mm -hmm. And of course, this has been like, you know, something that was a part of the pro-choice movement for a long time. Mm -hmm. But recently, though. I feel like I've personally, anyway, have just been seeing it more than ever. Mm-hmm. Like my body, my choice. You can't tell a woman what to do, you know, with their body. Mm-hmm. But why is it that we cannot necessarily say that? And there are also a few flaws in that as well, mm-hmm. even the argument itself. Yeah. But um, let's just start out with why we really can't say my body, my choice. Yeah. So one question you have to ask yourself is, do you belong to yourself mm. or do you belong to God, do you mm. belong to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. When you see Paul talk about our reasonable service, yeah. he says to present ourselves, our bodies actually, Oof. right? As a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. Matter of fact, let's pull up the scripture. 
so that Marcus is not talking. So the verse itself is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. But to just drive home what we're saying, I'm actually going to start in the previous chapter because Romans 12 and 1 is like the continuation of a statement that he was making in the 11th chapter, verse 36, where he says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. But he's basically talking about how everything, mm. including our bodies, yeah. it all belongs to Christ. It all belongs to God. And so if we look at Romans 12 then, which is a scripture that we had previously mentioned. Mm. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And if I can still continue reading verse two says and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god mm. but our bodies don't really belong to us yeah. now they belong to him but there's also that scripture where paul says aren't you temples mm. of the holy spirit mm-hmm. right so i want to pull first corinthians 6 and 19 He says, I do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Yeah, so we see this idea that uh, when we are in Christ, you know, it's it's written a lot in Scripture that we belong to Christ. Um, You see in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 22, it says, all are yours. No. Yeah, verse 22 in the beginning of verse 23, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Um, we see in Galatians 3 and 29, if you are Christ, and you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. 1 Corinthians seven twenty-two: for he who was called in the Lord is a bondservant, is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price, do not become a bondservant to men. So, I mean, this this idea of belonging to Christ is something that we have to really examine as believers. And as Marcus was saying, it's us in our entirety mm-hmm. at every single point, at every single, I guess, every single idea or perspective on like our existence. It all belongs to Christ so much so that, you know, Paul says, like, I think it's Paul, but bring every thought, you know, into, into subjection to Christ Jesus. Even our thoughts should be ruled and are ruled by Christ. So saying that it is your body first, just as a as a believer from a spiritual standpoint, we belong to God and we should be glorifying him with our bodies. They're not our own anymore. I think practically mm-hmm. we see that in conception the f- child is functioning and surviving off of the woman's body yeah and it's obviously a actual being another body within a person so you're not just speaking for your own body yeah at that point yeah yeah there's a second body there yeah the argument totally neglects that fact mm-hmm. and then when we start talking about i guess uh logical reasoning saying things to the notion of well the government shouldn't tell people what to do with their bodies or women i'll just say Mm -hmm. women what to do with their bodies we accept when we're told to do that very very often but we don't look at it that way because it's not something 
in this same vein of, you know, sexuality. Well, I won't even say sexuality. I'll say childbirth and child rearing and parenting. But we tell people to do with their bodies when we tell you, you know, don't rape somebody. We tell you what to do with your bodies when we say don't drink and drive. We tell you what to do with your bodies when we say don't murder, don't assault someone. Those are forms of telling people what to do with their bodies. Don't mm-hmm. don't drink something and drive. Mm-hmm. You, so you you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. like, the logic even doesn't add up because you, you accept it on the one hand when it's something that you think, like Marcus was saying before, under your moral code is okay. But when it breaches that, then something is wrong with it, and that's why there needs to be one moral code, and it is, and it's God's. So the next argument we have, and this is a short list. I'm pretty sure there are more arguments that we here presented but like we have like maybe um five or six or something like that Mm -hmm. you know and if you guys you know would like to send in other arguments like by all means you know send them in we are just addressing those that have come to mind thus far that we're familiar with ourselves Mm -hmm. so the second one we have is this argument that a fetus is not a baby Mm -hmm. and so you may have what the scientists say you may have what people you know, like the American Pregnancy Association have presented, you know, mm-hmm. but we're not looking at human definitions for what is a life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going to argue that a fetus is not alive. But I guess the argument is that a fetus that has not developed to a certain point does not have you know certain faculties or whatever that make them a baby. Mm-hmm. Like a fetus and a baby are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily see, like they are looking at the different developmental stages and they want to say, oh, at this point, it's not alive. At mm-hmm. this point, you know, or this at this point, it's not technically a, a human being. Yeah. At this point, oh, it is a human being, mm-hmm. right? And so they're, they're just kind of trying to pinpoint a particular point in time uh, along the development mm-hmm. where they can say, oh, okay, now it's a human being. Right. So the question we have to ask ourselves is when are we considered human beings? Yeah. You know, according to the word of God. Yeah. Mm. We have taken a look at, you know, different scriptures, which we're getting ready to present here that show that as a believer, we we cannot take on this particular mentality. Yeah. We are not to be looking at science for when a fetus is a human. Right. So let's just talk about the scriptures that we look to. Mm. First, let's think about God and the expanse of who he is and, and, and what he knows. We first got to realize that when we're born, God isn't like, oh, hey, there's Marcus. Marcus just got born today. God is eternal. And so when we see scriptures like Jeremiah 1 and 5 that say, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Mm -hmm. When we think about abortion and we read scriptures like this, it should help us understand that there's something else going on here that is outside of the comprehension and the bounds of our human minds, right? Mm -hmm. It is something that only God understands and that life and us being who we are starts before we are aware of it and before we're even conceived in the womb Mm -hmm. we see psalm 139 and 16 or we can even start before that 139 and 13 he says for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb 
I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written. Every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. So we see here that not only does God know us before we're even in the womb, but that he is he has our whole life ordained for us and he knows exactly how he's going to use us and be glorified through us. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to this idea of well, when does life begin, the importance of life, even making making this kind of judgment call, we have a different truth mm -hmm. in that life begins before even conception. Galatians 1 and 15 says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. I think even we have to ask ourselves, like, <clears throat> when was Christ Christ? Was he always Christ or did he just become Christ when he was born by a virgin? Right. At what point would we have said in Jesus' life, no, you're not Jesus yet. You're not Jesus. You're not, you're not Christ. Okay, now mm -hmm. you're Christ because mm -hmm. you're, what, more than eight weeks in the yeah. womb of Mary? Right. We got to start asking those kind of questions. Yeah. Just another point to that, I guess, just from like a non- biblical or spiritual you know perspective if we are i guess like looking at just a purely like naturalist perspective like because i guess the argument going back to what i said earlier is that a fetus is not a baby an embryo is not a baby right but there's a statement that was put out by the american pregnancy association it says mm. everything that that adult is to become is already in the embryo and so the embryo is what you have from the point of conception until they start calling it a fetus at the beginning of week eight. Mm. Right. But the, tr you know, science gives us these different stages and, you know, different parts, you know, of or periods of the pregnancy. But this statement is so powerful in the sense that like, all right, no matter how you try to stage this thing out, like everything that is there at the end was already there at the beginning of it all. Mm. Right. So, we can't, you know, be like, oh, well, this isn't developed yet. Because that's the, that's the argument. Like, this isn't developed. This isn't developed. Mm -hmm. But it's still there. Mm. Wow. 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 So we have up for discussion next. And again, these, we're doing it in this form because these may be questions that we as believers may be confused about how to answer biblically or that we may be faced with by people in the world mm -hmm. and who may be pro-choice. So this next issue that uh, we may be presented with is the issue of rape. It is commonly used as a, I guess, uh, a sh one of the stronger reasons for pro-choice and that when, if a woman is raped, she shouldn't have to bear the burden of raising a child as a result of a rape. But is this idea biblical? What are the biblical, I guess, implications about such a jarring you know part of our humanity um because there are rapes there are yeah. you know acts of violence toward each other there are catastrophes what does the bible say about these things because they're not going unnoticed by god indeed they are very much noticed by him and sometimes ordained by him right, right. um i mean we see in genesis in genesis we can go to 19 and we're talking about lot and his daughters um mm -hmm. 
Lot's daughters, basically, if you start reading at 32, come let us make our father drink wine. We will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. He did not know who it was. So, I mean, we have this instance here of uh, what now in this day would be called rape. And I'm, I'm sure that in biblical times, this would be called, you know, rape as well. This was something that was, you know, clearly with intent to uh, make him unaware of what was going on and have sex with him. But we see that the Moabites and the Ammonites later in, in the uh, chapter here in verses 37 and 38, they were the result of this, uh, you know, ungodly act. But God, in his divine providence and ordination of these events, he used these new people groups, the Moabites and Ammonites, to act out his will in bringing Christ to the world. So these heinous things that happen like this, they aren't uh, outside of God's watchful eye and, and, and indeed like his ordination of the events. But what is, I guess, the stance when it comes to abortion? And I guess we have to get to the core maybe of the question in terms of the the rape scenario is that like why do I have to be held accountable for this this child when I didn't ask for it you know and it was it's a result of a crime against me right mm -hmm. I guess even some people would say well you could just you know I'm just talking from the perspective of the person asking that question mm -hmm. some people would say well you could just give it up for adoption but that person still is left with the thought of it's unfair that I have to go full term and give it up for adoption still. It's mm -hmm. unfair that I will go full term and even, you know, decide to keep it, you know, mm -hmm. but like the whole situation is unfair, mm -hmm. you know. And we understand right now that we are on really sensitive for sure ground. However, right, we still have to be logical about it. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's that's the hard thing to do when you have these hard emotional pulls yeah you know like uh, we're talking about something as heinous as rape mm -hmm. is you know but we're kind of using that as a justification for something that is also mm. immoral yeah or wicked you yeah. know according to the word of god yeah right and so we cannot get into these spaces where we are using wickedness mm -hmm. to justify more wickedness mm. you know and we can just also think about it this way like we are punishing a child mm. an innocent human being for the actions of the criminal yeah where else in our law do we do that we would all think mm. that that was wrong you know we don't we don't see because we all know that that's an immoral thing to do in our hearts to punish an innocent person mm -hmm. for the actions of a criminal yeah and then another question that we have to ask ourselves is as a believer could it possibly be somehow god's will for me to end the life of this child because of what i suffered or mm -hmm. what my situation is how do we rationalize that it could be god's will for us to and i it's so sensitive that i don't even want to use this word but that we are yeah i'm just going to say ending the life yeah of a child like how could it possibly be his will for us to do so mm -hmm under any circumstance mm -hmm. like what circumstances do we present to where that becomes a rational action to take or justifiable action yeah i guess according to him yeah you know what i mean and it's like we we often make decisions that are out of his will mm -hmm. and he still allows 
himself to get glory and he still will forgive us when we repent and turn back to him and you know when we have that posture yeah. of our hearts that we were talking about so this isn't to single out abortion or people who have had abortions and say hey you did something out the will of god it was wrong you know right we all we do that every day yeah and i guess we're more so even just saying that abortion is no different mm-hmm. like and when we have to stop and think about everything that we do we should go how does this glorify god does right. not doing this glorify god does doing this glorify god when it comes to the smallest of things and the biggest of things you know right and we're all guilty of going against his will for sure yes what is interesting about this particular piece of it if a woman was raped or if there was a situation where incest was involved is in alabama where this decision came forward this was presented as like you know some kind of um exception where if you know a person had been raped or there was incest involved they could get excused the abortion rules Mm -hmm. But it was later like voted on and done away with because the purpose of them ever instituting this law in the first place was to honor God. Yeah. And they understood like there are no there's no reasoning that we could present to God for doing this. Yeah. You know, so even like this is an argument people try to throw at Alabama and they were like, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But see, the thing is, is uh these types of arguments they make sense to the natural mind because when i say the natural mind i just mean like the unbeliever right or even like some of us Mm -hmm. right because we feel like life should be fair Mm -hmm. right we were talking about this earlier like this idea of fairness for everyone Mm -hmm. which at our in our hearts we know this fairness that we expect is not even a reality it's not a rational thought to have it's not a rational expectation to have mm-hmm. right like i kind of want you to go into what you were saying earlier like but jason was kind of making this or giving this example like if somebody gets into a car accident and they were not at fault you mm-hmm. know and they walk away from the accident but they are forever on a crutch or injured or something like that the thought that that person would have is like this is unfair mm-hmm. kind of I, I really want you to pick up oh, on this yeah, yeah. because <laughs> I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess i was i was kind of trying to say that like we part of our like existence as a result of sin but our existence in general as human beings is that things happen that are out of our control and oftentimes those things are good and oftentimes those things are bad and we can't pick and choose what the result of it is afterward you know uh, i was saying like if someone gets if you if someone gets rear-ended in a car accident and then you know they have to spend however many hours of their life now going to the mechanic and calling you know the insurance company and doing all these things well i don't know you can can we say you know this isn't fair now that i have to you know take off from work would you want the other person to do it for you who was at fault like mm-hmm. it's just it's just one of those things where we accept it as hey this stuff happens in life and it's not to make you know rape or incest or an unwanted pregnancy trivial as to hey these things happen right but we you do have to look closer i guess what we're saying as as your logic is concerned and and look and say well yeah this is part of being a human being yeah the unexpected happens and when it comes to being fair and not fair that is a very complex issue and i don't want to like i don't want to talk about that too insensitively but you got to ask why even you're saying certain things should and shouldn't happen Mm -hmm. 
everything happens because of the grace of God. Mm. And that's that's pretty much that. And I guess on the heels or or I guess to open up the discussion more outside of uh rape, uh one of the interesting I guess facts about uh abortion, at least in the United States, is that um I mean according to statistics about 1.5 percent of um legal abortions uh are a result of rape um leaving the vast majority of them to be a result of um i guess you know unprotected sex or uh you know contraceptive issues stuff like that yeah unwanted pregnancies i guess that fall outside of rape are the vast majority Right. And so with that being said, we have to understand that like God set an order for how we are to engage in sexual activity. Yeah. Right. Uh, supposed to be within a marriage, because like, I guess what we're talking about is like um, the fact that so many abortions are like the result of an inconvenience to the woman and i hate how that sounds you know but mm-hmm. like it's it's what is statistically proven yeah but we have marriage and then we we're supposed to be abstinent mm-hmm. until marriage and then once you get in marriage like you know jason and i were talking about it like if you are to engage you know because there are um areas you know i guess of your condom breaks mm-hmm. or your pill was ineffective for yeah. some reason Right. Or your implant fell out. Mm -hmm. I don't know all the details, but the point is, if you are engaging in sexual activity, there is an assumed risk Mm -hmm. involved whereby you may become pregnant because the intention because the intention of sex was for reproductive purposes. Yeah. It was so that we could be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. So we have to know what is at stake going into it yeah you know and be ready for whatever comes Mm, mm, mm -hmm. so i guess what we're saying is we have to be responsible yeah and just to add to what marcus is saying um there are statistics um from as recent as 2015 according to the cdc i believe that 85 percent of abortions were uh from unmarried couples unmarried people in general, couples or single, uh, and fifty percent of those were from women under twenty-four. So when you, you know, just echoing what he's saying, God's order usually ends up working out for our well-being. Yes, always. Yeah, always ends up working out for our well-being, and it's not to take away from the pleasure of sex or the spiritual union that's being depicted in sex and stuff like that. Because, I mean, I got some sex education myself in learning about all of this, but. There is a time that God has given mm-hmm. where I don't think a woman can conceive, you know, in terms of the cycle and oh, ovulation, uh, ovulation and period yeah. and all that type of stuff. So there is just a point where, hey, have at it, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy what I've given you guys. Enjoy this pleasure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is it does come with that other purpose that is right. I would, I think we would all agree is like equally or more than important than just the pleasure part of it Mm -hmm. is to bring image bearers into the world. Wow. Wow. You know, 
and advance the kingdom and advance the gospel because you never know what child is going to do what for god exactly yeah you never know and i know that we're not there are so many angles to this both on the pro-choice and pro-life side Mm -hmm. um i know one of the angles could be hey well you know what if a woman passes away during one of these unwanted pregnancies she shouldn't have to have that risk and you know stuff like that Uh, on the pro-life side there is um you know women who sometimes get abortions feel you know this utter dread and Mm -hmm. regret after they've done it because you know we all have a conscious and our conscious whether we like it or not is wanting it it knows what is right and wrong Mm -hmm. and you know how roman says like you know none can can deny that god exists we see him in creation and childbirth in itself is something that you know is a testimony to their actually being god yes you know um so we're not up here to flush out every single scenario and argument you know um we're just trying to establish what the word says we've given you some scriptures to i guess reflect on in terms of uh when life began and when a baby is a baby there are other scriptures you know where god specifically tells people to sacrifice their children and you can check out leviticus uh eighteen twenty one for that do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to moloch for you must not profane the name of the lord your god you can check out deuteronomy 12 and 31 uh there are various 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 scriptures on on that leviticus 20 and 2 leviticus 20 and 3 second Kings 16 and 3 and those are those are about child sacrifice and obviously god detests it and he says it's an abomination um and you know we can go back and forth i guess about whether that applies to abortion being that it's child sacrifice and it was this intentional giving of a child to honor a false god and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i'm just I, you know painting the picture in terms of god doesn't like any type of murder you know so yeah what else we got so up until this point we've been talking about what the bible says about abortion and just presenting different scriptures just to help with understanding. But we also understand that there are some believers who have gone through this, who have, you know, um, made this decision and, you know, for many different reasons, right? And we just want to make sure that it is understood that God grants forgiveness, Mm -hmm. grants repentance, meaning that you can reach out to the Lord, like pray to God, ask God to forgive you for this, you know, so that you are not, because Jason just talked about like how things weigh on our conscience, mm-hmm. right? And even scripture says how we ought to approach God with a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. So, but we do understand that he has mercy. There is grace. He does forgive, Absolutely. right? So we just want to just remind you, if this is something that you've experienced, something you've been through, you can ask God for forgiveness. You can repent to him. Mm-hmm. And even right now, if you just want to follow along with us, as we pray, we wanted to say a prayer just for those people, um, or even those who are considering it, you know, even at this point in time. So we're going to go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you right thank now, you, Lord. <sighs> come to you, Father God, and we just thank you for giving us understanding, helping to come into alignment, Father God, with your character, your will, your desire yeah. for our lives, Father God. and 
the ways that we are to live in order to glorify you, Father God, yes, by God. our decisions and our actions, Father. And Lord, we just ask that if there is anyone out there that is listening to this show, Father God, who is currently considering this as an option, Father, or who has even been through this already, Father God, that you would just have mercy on them, Father God, as we know you will, Father, because it is your character to do so, Father. So we just ask, Father, that you would just show mercy, Father, and forgive them, Father God, and help them, Father God, to even be renewed and restored, Father God, and allow them to understand, Father God, that your forgiveness and your your granting of repentance is, is absolutely real, Father God, and, and they should not hold this to their conscience, Father God, and do not have to feel guilty, Father God, or even entertain the accusations of the enemy any longer, yes. Father God, because when you wipe our slates clean, Father God, you said in your word that you would just toss everything into a sea of forgetfulness, Father. So yes. we just thank you right now just for your mercy and for your grace, Father, and just who you are, Lord, in our lives, Father God, and just bringing us to this point of understanding so that we may live lives that truly glorify your name, Father. And we thank you, Father, because even if we have been swayed by the arguments of the world and the reasoning of the world, Father, you are setting us straight, Father, by giving us understanding of your word, Lord. And for that, we thank you also. Yes, and we just thank you for your son who came and who died for our sins, Lord, that we may have this opportunity, Father, to have our sins forgiven and to even approach you on your throne, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. We will see you guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of the Word in the World podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and repost with the hashtag the Word X the World podcast. Also, we'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions, comments, praise reports, and testimonies. Basically, any and everything. We just want to talk to you guys. Send everything to contact us at thewordxtheworld.com. Have a great week, and be sure to check out next week's episode. Peace.